When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're talking real money. Welcome to another Friday edition of the Talking Real Money Real Q&A podcast. And I think today it's all Q's. Of course, with my A's. Questions, answers. Questions you send in, you speak in at TalkingRealMoney.com. The answers, well, I speak into this microphone after you send me those questions. So go to TalkingRealMoney.com, click on the contact form, and send your questions in, because that's my favorite part of my job, is answering them. Even though some of them, (laughs) some of them (laughs) took a serious amount of work, (laughs) one in particular. All righty, so let's get started with our very first question. Hi, Tom and Don. This is Karen from Massachusetts. Uh, I have a quick question regarding, well, maybe not so quick, regarding treasury bonds. Um, I've purchased on the auction. I know you get like that that price um, when you purchase it. Like I, I purchase mine like through a brokerage. So when I do it on the day, you know, of the auction, you set the price and then you get whatever the price is. Um, and what I'm confused about is like, I know that that rate is good as long as you hold the bond until the end, and then you get that amount. Um, but my my concern is, or I just my confusion is, I don't understand how every day when you watch, like, what's the 10 ye- um, year yield on the treasury, you know, say it's like, you know, I'm just making this up, but 4.5. And then the next day, it's 4.8. The next day, it's 4.3. Like, where are people are people going to the secondary market to buy it at that rate? Because I know the auctions only come out on certain dates. So I don't understand like where they're getting that rate from. Like is where is that? Are people buying older bonds that at how oh, I just don't understand. I can't get it because I know that there's only so many auction dates. So really confused by this. So any clarity you can give to me? You know, I know that when like, say you buy a bond at 4.5, and then it's up to 4.8. Um, you know, the the yield is up to 4.8. Then when you look at your bond that you bought at 4.5, it's going to show a loss. And you know, reversed if it's the other way. I get that. I just don't get where are they buying these bonds at 4.8 if it hasn't actually been issued by the Treasury. Okay, thanks. I hope that's clear. Thank you for all you guys do. Have a good day. Well, Karen, you're right about the auctions. They're not held every day. So where do those blasted prices come from? Well, you got it right. The yields they are quoting are based on price fluctuations that happen minute by minute in the secondary market. And treasuries are a heavily traded security, so those transactions are happening a lot, which is why you see those yields fluctuating. But 
as you purchase yours in the primary market, in the auction market, the rate you purchased is locked for as long as you own those securities. So your rate is not fluctuating. It's merely the rate a new buyer would get. Like, let's say you went to sell yours into the secondary market. You wanted to get out of it before it matures. Then you would have to price the bond to attract buyers. So if rates had risen, then you're going to have to price your bond at a lower price than you paid for it to get somebody to buy it so that then when they collect the money at the end of the term, they pick up the, the interest they would have gotten if they bought in the primary market. So uh, it, that's why if rates fall, the prices of bonds rise. And if rates rise, the prices of bonds fall because it's all about changing the price you're charging someone to reflect the current interest rate environment more accurately and what they receive for the bond. Otherwise, why would they buy your secondary market bond? Why wouldn't they just go to the primary market and buy the new higher yielding bonds? So I hope that explains it for you. Uh, it is a little confusing and um, we want to try to make it less so. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Now, our next question came in from TalkingRealMoney.com. Hi, uh, Tom and Dan. Uh, my name is Kiran. I uh, love your show. Um, I'm a regular res- listener whenever I can. Um, I have a question uh, regarding fee-based advisors. Um, I have have been referred to a fee-based advisory firm that is one of the top rated, actually, um, RIA firms on balance. Um, how do, uh, how, how do uh, my question is, how do I know this firm won't buy commission-based products uh, in my portfolio. Uh, what are some of the things I can check that they're following the fiduciary duties and buying investments like stocks and mutual funds only in my interest and um, nothing uh, commission-based? Thank you. Ah, uh, The dilemma that plagues almost all investors because this industry is so opaque about business practices, pricing, uh, best interest standards, fiduciary standards, products. Oh, just It's just an awful mess, which puts the onus on you to do some work. You actually have to do some work. Uh, just because an advisor is one of Barron's top advisors doesn't mean they're 100% fiduciaries. Because they're not. Um, for example, I uh, I don't subscribe to Barron's because I don't like the publication that much, but they're number two advisory firm, and they base them on how big they are. How big they are. Well, does that tell you they're good? No, it just tells you they're good at selling. Um, the number one is Fisher, Ken Fisher. And, and he's an incredible marketer. I mean, open your mailbox. He's an incredible marketer, right? <laughs> just read anything. He's an incredible. He spends a lot of money on marketing. That's why his fees are a little on the high side. But the second one is a company called Hightower Wealth out of Chicago. And Hightower Wealth is actually fee-based. What you want is fee-only. You want a firm that says in writing, fee-only. We are a fee-only investment advisory firm. If they're fee-based, then they can and probably will sell some commissioned products. The way to determine this is to do something that is not fun. Just not fun at all. 
and that is to go to advisorinfo.sec.gov. Or actually, these days, you can just go to BrokerCheck and look up the firm. BrokerCheck will, will show you both FINRA registered, which are stockbrokers, and SEC registered, which are RIAs, registered investment advisors, but they can be both. Uh, look at the at the company's ADV Part 2 brochure when you click through all the sites. You'll find that some firms have multiples. If you see a ton of ADV Part 2 brochures, you're probably dealing with somebody who's duly registered. If their ADV Part 2 brochures are more than, I don't know, 30 pages long, roughly, I'd say probably look elsewhere because the longer they are, the more they're trying to bury in the BS. They're trying to overwhelm you. I mean, I've seen some ADV Part 2s that run over 100 pages. Um, the other thing you want to look for, you want to look at their fee structure. You want to search, use your, use a PDF browser of some kind, and search for the uh, the term conflict of interest. Find out what their conflicts of interest are. Type in the word commission and see if they take commissions for any products. Make sure their fees, go to the fee section, make sure their fees are no higher than about 1% per year at the highest end. 1, 1.1 maybe if you're dealing with somebody extraordinary. Uh, over one and a quarter, one and a half, it's getting a little too high. There are some in the twos and even three range. That's definitely too high. But you might want to just, because this is such a big decision. It is such a huge decision. We put more work into picking a car than we do into picking an advisor. Take the time to read the Part ADV Part 2 brochure. A good firm isn't going to have one more than 20 pages or so long. Really, not most of them are just not that long. They don't have to be long because it's a disclosure document. If they don't have a lot to disclose, it's not going to be long. So do your homework. Just because they're ranked as the best by barons doesn't mean they're any good. It just means they're big. And big isn't necessarily better. And let's go to our next question. Hi, Don and Tom, if he happens to be working the podcast uh, on this recording. Reaching out to you guys about to get some guidance uh, and feedback to what's about to happen with my work retirement investments. I guess to save on cost and possibly increase returns, they are moving us away from Vanguard index funds to Fidelity, BlackRock, and PIMCO funds. The Fidelity funds are pretty straightforward, but I can't seem to find information with the BlackRock and PIMCO funds. Um, one is the ticker symbol that they provided us uh, is pretty much incomplete when I search for it on MarketWatch. And then they also gave us this CUSIP number, which is new term to me. I don't know if that should be a cause for concern, not having a ticker symbol and just having the CUSIP number. But um, just going to provide you some of the funds that we are switching to with the BlackRock instead of the Vanguard S&P or the total market. They are giving us the in phonetic alphabet for Tom BlackRock. Uh, it's the Whiskey Bravo Romeo Echo Oscar X-Ray. And for the, uh, instead of the Vanguard International, 
Um, they are giving us Whiskey, Bravo, Romeo, Echo, Lima, X-Ray. And then on the small camp, uh, small cap, it says PIMCO RAE, but the CUSIP number is 97184 Juliet 367. Love to hear what you guys think about this move and the funds that we are switching to. Thanks, guys. Well, I'm sure you've guessed already the call that caused me to do the most work. It was this one, the question, holy cow, your firm, your firm, I, I, I honestly think they're, they've gotten, uh, in, someone has contacted them who, who's a highfalutin, uh, I'm a kind of a special advisor. You know, we only have the best products and, and those Vanguard things. Those are for the dumb people. Those are just for regular people. Our firm, our firm has the sophisticated products from PIMCO, like, um, the, uh, the, <laughs> the, I, the the fund you're looking at is is at least I'm sure it's this fund. I'm 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 not a hundred percent because looking up by QCIPs is impossible. The CUSIP number, by the way, that is the that's the serial number of a security. Every security has its own QCIP number. Mutual fund has a QCIP number. ETF has a QCIP number. Stocks have QCIP numbers. Bonds have QCIP numbers. CUSIP, it's, I can't remember what the acronym is for. It's some sort of a registration system. Uh, you can't look it up because you have to subscribe to a service to be able to do that. And why would we need that? We don't care. Uh, but I'm pretty sure the PIMCO fund, the PIMCO RAE fund, uh, the RAE refers to... Um, Research Associates, they run the fund for PIMCO at a very high expense ratio considering it's an institutional fund. It's a million-dollar minimum to get in. You must work for a pretty big company. The symbol, I believe, is PMJIX. I'm pretty sure that's the one. Uh, it is the PIMCO RAE U.S. Small Institutional, uh, and it is run by Rob Arnott, and he's pretty famous uh, for his take on um, on managing funds, he he has some oh, they're algorithms. They're they're um, it's 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 sort of it's a, it's one of those hybrids between actively managed and uh, and passive. It's a rules based fund, and it's not a bad fund. It's just an expensive fund, and they've performed really, really well. And I'm sure that's what your company was pitched. The performance has been extraordinary. But when you look deeper, you also see that the risk has been very high. The The volatility rankings, the standard deviation are, are really high compared to, the, to its peers. So they're taking more risk to get more return. Uh, is it awful? No. Is it expensive? Yes. The other two are from BlackRock and they are... They're, again, institutional products that for, for which there is no Morningstar symbol to look up because they trade on the NASDAQ for liquidity's sake. Um, the BlackRock, they're BlackRock uh, equity index funds. So they are index funds. And I could not find the expense ratio. I looked all over the place. I could not find the expense ratio. They don't look like bad products. They are index products. They are big products. They have performed the uh, the the first one, the OX, which is the U.S. That is meant to 
copy the S&P 500. So it's it's a S&P 500 emulation. Therefore, I, I don't really think your company did you any favors in moving. I think they did it because they want to think they're dealing with somebody who's who's got some strategies that are are better than Vanguard's dull, boring, just buy the index stuff, which we're pretty happy with. I mean, we do think there is a little you can do to possibly stretch for yield, but Vanguard does a good job and they are the market. And we kind of like the market. What you have, not bad, but is it great? Mm, Not really. Let's do another, shall we? Another question that came in through TalkingRealMoney.com on the contact form. Hi, Don and Tom. My name is Mark, and I'm trying to help out a friend of mine with his 401k options. Um, He's 24 years old, and uh, we have uh, too many options that are high expense ratios from Dodge and Cox uh, all the way to a target date fund that's not indexed. So they're 0.41 expense ratio or higher. Of the Vanguard options, they are all 0.04 to 0.07. So I thought if I guided him towards putting his money in large cap blend, mid cap blend, small cap blend, just have his three fund portfolio there, then he could supplement in his Roth IRA for any asset classes that are missing from the 401k. And uh, the only other two options in his 401k, foreign large blend, small growth. I just feel like he's coming down with a little hodgepodgeitis by adding those. Just wondering what you guys think of that. Thanks so much. Well, nice of you to help the friend, and yours is a very sound strategy. Use the 401k, use the products that are available in the 401k, even though they don't have all the asset classes that we'd like to see. You can't get small cap value, you can't get international value, you can't get emerging markets, those kinds of things. Uh, get Get the basics there, and then use the Roth IRA to branch out into the little pieces and parts that you want in the various other um, asset classes. So I think that yours is a very sound strategy, and it's really nice of you to help. So thanks for doing that. And yes, you have thumbs up from me. Let's do one more, shall we? Yeah, let's do one more. Hey, guys. Love the show. It's Eric from Seattle. Uh, You guys do a fantastic job. had a quick question. I probably already know the answer, but my overactive investing brain um, would love to get your thoughts on it because I know you guys are great about just looking up ETFs and uh, and just getting your opinion on this one. Um, So it is ETF HIGH. It's, I think, less than a year old, but basically... I don't know if they really call it a bond replacement, but it's a high yield income style ETF with an overlay uh, built around treasuries. So anyway, love to get your uh, your feedback. I know it. They say it pays a dividend of around nine point six three percent. I know the expense ratio is high on it, but anyway, love to get your feedback. Thanks, guys. Great work. And really appreciate everything you do. Thank you. Oh, Eric, 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 you do have an overactive brain. Where did you find this thing? There are so many new weird products circulating out there. Really? This one is the Simplify Enhanced Income ETF. (laughs) It's a bond fund, 
But being a bond fund is not nearly good enough for them. So what do they do? They take this. This is going to be really weird. You're going to to think, why would they do this? Uh, They take 25 up to 25 percent of the money and invest it in an option strategy fund that they own based in the Cayman Islands. Now, does that sound potentially fishy? You know, you're thinking about an offshore account. Why is the account offshore? Could it be because the rules are not nearly as strict? And I looked at the portfolio, the option portfolio, and it does look like it's it's a long, short portfolio. It's a they're doing straddles, and and that's a relatively complex, difficult strategy. And I think they may be doing it overseas to keep the SEC from looking as closely as they might. I, I'm That's pure speculation on my part. I have no idea because I don't really fully understand why they're doing what they're doing other than to, again, make it appear that you're getting some sort of special product that nobody else offers. Well, the reason nobody else offers it is because it's really eclectic. It's a kind of weird strategy. Oh, we got a bunch of bonds and then we're playing games with a quarter of the portfolio. It's a and it's a brand new fund. It's really, really, really new, and it's expensive at a half a percentage point for an ETF. Um, so, oh, the best the best advice I can give you, Eric, and many others, is to quit paying attention. I know you heard about this through a publication or a thing on CNBC or something or Fox Business. Stop paying attention. Stop. Yes, they've had a decent year because, well, bonds haven't done well, but their 25% in options did well, so they made six while bonds were flat. But what's the risk in doing so? We don't know because it's too new. It's working right now, but as with many ideas, They get a lot of press when they work until they don't, and then we never hear about them again because, well, they don't work anymore. They're not fun. It's not a fun story. When they don't work, it's a boring story. Lots of investment strategies fail. We don't want to report on all those. We want to talk about the ones that sound really nifty and neat. Well, this is nifty and neat, and I'd leave it alone. I know. Absolutely, I would leave it alone. So turn off, turn off that overactive brain and let it take a tiny little money rest. Okay. All right. Okay, everybody. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of this. Thank you for being a part of our podcast. Thank you for telling people about it. Remember, if you need a little bit more help than we can provide through these short Q&A sessions, well, one, call us on Saturdays. Tom and I are in studio almost every Saturday from Noon until 2 Pacific Time, 3 to 5 Eastern, taking questions at 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. So call us. We love talking with you. The other thing you can do if you want even more help is to go to TalkingRealMoney.com and make an appointment with one of our advisors. No cost, no obligation, no high-pressure sales pitch. Promise. Let's go to TalkingRealMoney.com, click on Meet an Advisor. And please join us almost every day as we continue 
Talking Real Money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment tax or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future, so past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Appella Capital, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. Are we done now? 